When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's a Monday afternoon. It's another episode of Football and Random Things. This was going to be a really special episode of Football and Random Things. We're going to have Jay Jordan on, do one last run through uh, of some of our thoughts before Next week, obviously, will be game week for Iowa State and Northern Iowa. But instead, Jeff Woody, you know, he's a prima donna. He's, you know, thinks that he's the uh, big man around here. Tells me all of a sudden, out of the blue, completely out of the blue, with no warning whatsoever, that he can't do the podcast in the morning. Well, Jay Jordan's coaching in the afternoon. So now, no Jay Jordan on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Jeff Woody. You know what? I, I, uh, you're without warning whatsoever. I think that is an absolute bald faced lie. I know that's an absolute bald faced lie. Problem is proving it because, uh, the cyclone fanatic parties last week. So we, our last recording was Monday. And since then you and I have, have enjoyed, uh, enjoyed public experiences on Wednesday and Friday of last week, Wednesday in Des Moines, and then Friday out in the uh, Mississippi river, uh, out in LeClaire with some Cody road products. And it was about one 15 in the morning when I said, Hey, Jared, by the way, I can't do Monday morning, but it's one 15 in the morning after having been hosted by Mississippi river distilling company for the past five hours. So I think recollection at that point is probably low. Well, you know, the I best, thing, the best time to ever try and schedule anything professionally is at 1.15 in the morning after you've both been drinking Cody Road for an entire evening. <laughs> hey, I, I had the, uh, the, the caramel, the, the caramel liqueur. I didn't have the, I didn't have, not a bourbon guy, but damn, Iowish and the, the caramel liqueur, whew, that's too much of that. And, uh, I would say, so I golfed on Saturday. That was straight hangover golf. Mm-hmm. That's what that was, is that you're just yeah. trying to find as much water as you can and just walk and sweat off whatever is possible to do from a Friday night. Yeah. I do. I do want to say though, man, shout out to those people that came out to on Wednesday night and on Friday night. Uh, I, when Williams and I were leaving the Iowa tap room on Wednesday, I, I was like, man, I don't know that we've ever had a party go that smoothly you've been to a lot of cyclone fanatic Mm -hmm. get togethers as well that was as smooth of a party as we'd ever had well we get to friday and we might have even topped it to be completely honest i don't don't know that either one of those could have gone any better than what they did it was such a cool experience and it it was one of those things that like i i don't know i i feel like the people that are going to be that were you know again shout out to all the fans that showed up on wednesday or and or on friday i think i don't know how much crossover there was but shout out to those who came to either one uh, and it was just such a fun event because like 
the people that are doing that, especially the one like in Des Moines, you can go to a lot of these different things. There's like, I mean, you're 35 minutes from Ames at any given point. And you know, I, we both live in central Iowa. So like we kind of have easy access to it. Uh, we also don't really have to fight the uphill battle of living in the Eastern half of the state. So the fans that are out on the Eastern half of the state, whether they're alumni or just long supporting fans, like they, they are like, we were talking to some people and this to me, it blows my mind. And I know people do it. Like when you conceptualize, like at, at some point, someone in the distance does this, but then you talk to them and you're like, wow. So Aaron and I, on the way to driving back home, we were like, she goes, I can't believe people did this. And I was like, yeah, even when we suck is that you drive like a, it's, you know, let's say you're living in, you know, North Scott and you're driving three and a half hours to go to Ames, but you got to work on Monday morning. So you can, you know, it's not, you're not going to get a hotel for $250 a night. So you're going to drive three and a half hours for a 6 PM kickoff watch. I was, you know, back in 2006 or wherever, 2008, and watch Iowa state get killed, drive three and a half hours back and then tell your friends why you're tired on Monday. And you like, you went through that experience and that these people have been doing that for, you know, 25 years. And like, they're finally good now. And it's like, I respect you so much for having gone through seven hours of travel time in a day to watch Iowa state get their ass kicked to now be able to travel seven hours in a day to know that you're going to win like that man, they've been through the fire. Yeah. That, that takes some serious resolve to not only do that, but then be like, yeah, I'm going to do this again next week too. Yeah. Like six to eight times a year, you're going to make that trip in a day. Just insane. Like absolutely insane. So shout out to everybody. And so then that population finally gets an event thrown in their honor in their half of the state. You can imagine how that party went if you weren't there. Yeah. It, it was really fun. We're definitely going to have to go back. Maybe we'll have to go to some of the other corners of the state so that people who live in like Sioux city don't have to drive seven hours to Man. Uh, LeClaire, which again, shout out to them. Like we're really, we're really happy that they really made happened. it. Maybe we can try and do some things for you where you don't have to drive seven hours to come to a cyclone fanatic event. If every event was, if every event was like that, I would go to every single cyclone fanatic kickoff event. Just again, shout out to Ryan and, and all the people of Mississippi river shout out to the people of both central and Eastern Iowa's and the guy from Sioux city. Yeah. That, well, and I'll say if you live in Southwest Iowa, if you live in Northwest Iowa, if you live in Northeast Iowa and you want us to come through, just talk to your local watering hole or whatever, and make sure that they know that you want us to come through and see if you can figure something out. Somebody who would maybe want to connect with us. Obviously we need a place to go if we're going to do any of these kinds of things, but I think that that would be really fun to do kind of a statewide tour. I don't know if my liver's ready for that, Jared. Well, see, in my mind, if we were going to do this, obviously we'd have to connect with our friends at Landjet again. And then it just becomes a, a, you know, all of us loading up into a Landjet and we just go from place to place across the state and have fun and just be a hermit for like two weeks and live in a, and live in a van down by the river, any river. Doesn't mean it doesn't even matter. It's not, it's just a river right down by a river, you know, in Southwest Iowa, it could be the Nottaway in Sioux city. Obviously it's the Missouri in the Claire. We know it's the Mississippi. Like I don't, it probably would be in the Mississippi and North, what Northeast Iowa too. I guess I don't know exactly how the Mississippi river, you know, works its way down the thing, but besides the point, all right, let's talk some football. 
Um, you get out of the fact you didn't realize the entire eastern part of the state is formed by the Mississippi River. Is it even all the way in the northeast corner? It doesn't cut through at all. Yes, no, it's. That's I'm our an board. idiot, aren't I? Yeah, I'm an idiot. A little bit. Yeah. Well, what can you do? You're from Southwest Iowa. It's fine. Yeah. What can, What can you do? I, I'm not. I don't live there. I've been to Dubuque one time, and I don't have any. Well, unless we're going to do this tour across the state, <laughs> cut yourself off there. <laughs> uh, I like people. Sorry to our friends in Dubuque. Uh, all right. So we're going to kind of run through the season. I, I don't know if you necessarily, do you want to make predictions? Is that what we're going to do here? I don't know if it's necessarily predictions. Cause I feel like a prediction at this point is so far out that like, I think the bigger thing is like what to expect. Like what are the considerations about this game relative to where it sits in the schedule relative to what they, what team they are, what they're bringing back, what things are interesting about each specific game. Uh, and then kind of see how, you know, the symphony fits together from start to finish rather than just looking at one individual part or one individual movement of the whole thing. So, um, yeah, I think the, this is the last week before we are actually talking about one opponent. And so when, you know, whether, and hopefully we can get Jay on here, we can, it, it's not super common that I have a Monday morning conflict, but if we can get Jay on here and like, we know how, like how deeply we can get into the weeds. So this is the last kind of 10,000 foot view we're going to take before, you know, you and me and, you know, Jay sometimes are going to put on the freaking car hearts and go through the weeds as much as we can. So, um, yeah, this is, I think, I don't know, this is the made it. So it's like the send off to the preseason. For sure. All right. Obviously I don't think we're probably going to dive too deeply into Iowa state and Northern Iowa, uh, one week from Saturday, uh, because we're going to spend an entire hour talking about this, uh, this game next week. Uh, but I'll just say if this game is even mm, within 10 points within single digits, I will be disappointed, incredibly disappointed <laughs> to well, be I, quite honest. Yes and no. Um, I think we've seen really, uh, obviously last year was the best season that Iowa state's ever had. Uh, and it started with a loss to Louisiana again, not ideal, should not be there. Don't, shouldn't have to deal with it. But at the same time, uh, it is the start of the season and there is some things that you're going to have to work out. Now, the other thing, and, and again, we are going to get very in the weeds on this, this time, same bat time, same bat station next week, but Northern Iowa is, is coming off of a spring football season. So they would have just been playing competitive football, what, like five months ago. And so any, all that like beaten up and kind of recovering and kind of getting a strength conditioning cycle for last year, they've been completely thrown off by that. And I, I'm really interested to see if that is a positive or a negative, you know, like a positive in the sense that they have been so recently in meaningful games or meaningful snaps that they have much better of an idea early on because they don't have such a lag period that, that Iowa state did. So is that a good thing? Or you could say that it's a bad thing because you get beat up and you know, some guy who has a hamstring strain, like uh, you know, fill in the blank, like some cornerback who was kind of playing through a hamstring strain or uh, a bicep strain or some soft tissue thing that like they're playing through it and plan on rehabbing it in the off season to get them back to full strength the next year. I bet in any given year, 10% of the active playing roster has something like that going on, some soft issue or some nagging injury that they plan on rehabbing throughout the off season. Well, they didn't really have an off season. So like 
are they able, are they going to be at full, full, full strength, like a team that did not do that is going to be. So like it's, that's, I think going to be a really interesting thing on top of the layer that, you know, and I think the synopsis from years past, and we've talked about it. I think we talked about it both on Wednesday and Friday night, Iowa state tends to start the season off poorly because they tend to play 50 guys just to give them experience, to get them snaps, to kind of figure out where everyone's roles are. That's both on special teams and as backups. Usually the Campbell staff doesn't care that much until you get to camp. Like not, I don't want to say not, doesn't care. They absolutely do, but their priority is in planning for a whole season and not for game number one. But this year, because you return so many people, they shouldn't have to do that because there's not a lot of guys you have to break in in the non-conference season, because most of the guys that are going to be playing any snaps at all have already played. So the season should start, even if you are rotating that same percentage with guys who have already played. So like the, it should theoretically start better than they have in years past. So I think that's the interesting, the, the two most to me, the most interesting things are Iowa state returning as many guys they did last year should start better because of that. And then is it good or bad that I, for you and I, that you and I played in the spring and not in the fall, does that get, does that give them a benefit or does that kind of punish them? I just, I, I find it hard to believe that that would be a benefit. Yeah, to be honest. I know I agree, but I'm just curious, you know, maybe it is like, maybe it's something that we're overseeing or we're overlooking that they're they're They have a better recollection of where things are going and kind of what it feels like. And uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm curious to, to see what that looks like coming so quickly after like, do they look sharp or do they look slow? Like what are the, the it's kind of the two ends of the spectrum that they're going to, that they're going to end up. It's probably likely they're not going to be a mediocre. They're either going to come out and be pretty good or they're going to be pretty bad. Like, it seems like you and I is not going to fall on that middle ground. The thing I just don't know is like, how long do you think they even had off in between the end of the season and when it was like time to start ramping back up again, it could not have been a very extended period of time. I would imagine not. And I think another thing, and, and they haven't, wouldn't have been in school long enough for week one to be that much of a deal, but they, the academically, usually you put your bigger uh, class load in the not in the off season. If, if you're a, a, a sport like football, or I, I can't think of another sport that that plays exclusively in the spring, like basketball floats from both. So it's kind of hard to do um, <clears throat> wrestling, same thing, but like football, because it's almost exclusively a first semester sport, you put your bigger class load in the spring. So like, I think you had to, if I remember correctly, you had to like 12 credit hours minimum or something like that. So you'd have like 12 or 13 in the fall and then like 15 or 17 in the spring because you have more time. Like you're not at practice six or seven hours a day or meetings, or you're not thinking about it as much. So like you can take harder classes. Well, if you and I is doing that and they would have, you know, they would just have either gone through a really hard academic semester and an athletic semester, or their counselor said, Hey, push this to the fall. Well, now you're going to have to do that during the fall. So like right away, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. Just another layer though, that I'm really curious of is what's the academic responsibilities of these going to, these guys going to be like, because they didn't have one of the semesters to kind of lighten up a little bit. Yeah. And, and then I agree with you. I mean, obviously just has so few guys who are green, there's nobody we have to be worried about. Like, man, how's this guy going to perform? I mean, it, like a Jalen Knoll, mm -hmm. we could count the number of guys who it's like, how's this guy going to perform under the bright lights on one hand, you know, yeah. where we've never seen them have to do it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the singleton kid, Jalen Knoll. Um, I mean, I guess the, I guess the kicker Mevis. Yeah. yeah. Which, 
I mean, he's played college football, just not at this stage, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's such a small number of guys that you just don't know what to expect or what, or they don't know what to expect really yeah. outside of what people have told them. I mean, well, and the, the, a lot of the guys that got experienced last year, they didn't have a full season of crowds to experience. They saw some, but they didn't see a ton. And their ex- the, the advantage for them is that it's going to be a home game. So like, there's going to be a bunch of jacked up energy that they will be able to harness. They're not going to be fighting against. We're like, the first, you know, the first time you're playing against a crowd, if, if you're a, a freshman that plays at Northern Iowa, which I would imagine isn't a ton of freshmen, but like if you're a freshman that plays in Northern Iowa, you didn't have fans almost all of last year. And you're in your first experience with fans is going to be 63,000 who are absolutely starving to scream at football. Like it is going to be a full throat screaming environment. That's your first experience. So like even the guys, like uh, I think of, you know, like uh, Gary Vaughn, like that's the guy that I kind of think of like who didn't, you know, played some, but didn't play uh, like meaningful snaps in a crowd last year, a little bit at the big 12 championship, stuff like that, but like not with a full loud go crowd. So yeah, you and I is going to, or uh, Iowa state plays are not breaking in a lot of people. And even if you are breaking in some kind of crowd noise that you haven't experienced before, it's going to be in front of a home crowd. So it should be better. Again, it's a pretty good entry to the season. The atmosphere portion of this conversation, I think plays in then to the next week with Iowa. Uh, obviously the Hawkeyes will play Indiana in week one, but at Kinnick. At Kinnick, right. yeah. But this will be the first time that Spencer Petrus will have gone on the road as the starter, uh, facing a full crowd. I mean, I, I feel like maybe sometimes people in what we do, like maybe could overblow how difficult that is. Like I, you, I know that Spencer Peters will likely be prepared on some level for what he's about to face, but that will, I, I imagine be different, you know, and that's kind of going to be one of those first things that like I'll think about is how well can he come out and start the game knowing that not only is this going to be a jacked up atmosphere, but when you take away this game for a full year, like there's going to be a lot of emotion. Tension is going to be very, very high at three 30 on September 11th in Ames, Iowa. (laughs) Tension is going to be high at 7am. Yeah. Well, tension will be high basically from the minute that the Northern Iowa game gets over until that game starts. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a fun environment. Uh, I mean, right away, it's going to be one of those, like, if it's, I, I tend to not be a guy who's like on my phone a lot, like recording a lot of things to like take it to, you know, enjoy the experience. But like, that's going to be one of those, if you're in the stadium, I would imagine not a lot of Iowa fans are going to be listening to this right now, but if you are, or an Iowa state fan, like enjoy the moment for at least a little bit of like, you have, you hear the, the Iowa comes on the field. They're naturally going to get booed just because that's what happens. And then that Kanye West lick plays and like the, the video reel starts to go, the steam starts to come from the stadium crowd goes freaking bananas. Like that's going to be one of those, like enjoy the moment things. Like we have come a long ways from through a whole lot of shit to get to that moment. And again, it's going to feel the same against Northern Iowa of just being in the stadium, but the environment itself for that game is going to be really, really fun. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, I think Iowa this year is going to go as their quarterback goes because they have, uh, 
I mean, Goodson is a terrific running back. He's a terrific running back. They always have a really good offensive line. They've are, they're always going to have a tight end that is at least decent. You know, like, I don't know the last time they went like five years that put a tight end in the NFL. So they're always going to have somebody there. The wide receiver group is, I think going to be good, but unproven a little bit. Uh, they got the, that is it young. I think a big, tall guy who can jump out of the, actually out of the gym, the gym. So they got a good, but unproven wide receiver group. Their defense loses their best player. Um, uh, that, uh, defensive lineman, um, Davion Nixon. Yeah. So they lose their best defensive player and they, but they return a lot of guys. I was in a similar position to Iowa state where they return the vast majority of their roster. Um, but I don't know how good, I don't know how tested they've been, even though, you know, they, they had a, a, what I would call an adequate big 10 season last year. It wasn't terrible. They didn't play a ton of games. So didn't get to see a vast swath of stuff and like putting my analyst hat on and like taking my cyclone colored glasses off. I think their secondary is one that they're either going to be very good or pretty average. Like they've got some, some, so they've got some holes. There's, I think their safeties are good and their safeties are hitters, but they're not big coverage guys. And so like you have the capacity, if again, we talked about it in a couple episodes ago, uh, what Iowa state needs to do is if they can get down the field, that is a thing where if you are able to t- get down the field against Iowa, you're going to have opportunities to do so. Um, so, but regardless, be all end all, they're going to go as their quarterback goes, because if they, like, again, we talked about this on Friday at the, uh, at, in LeClaire is Iowa and Iowa state are very similar programs from a schematic standpoint as they look at you and they, you know, it's like a boxing stare down and they say, I bet you're going to make a mistake first. And when you do, when your gloves come down for just a second, you're going to get, catch a hard right hook to the chin. And then both gloves go back up and all you're not trying to, you know, you set the tone of physicality, but you're not trying to set, you're not trying to hit a 70 yard play on the first, on first play of the game. You're trying to punch and punch and punch and make the other person break first. And Iowa does the same thing. Well, if you're a, a, a quarterback or team of the quarterback who is consistently questionable decision-making, who is now going into a really hostile environment against a, a defensive front that you've never seen before, you're likely to make more mistakes. It doesn't mean you will, but you are more likely to make more mistakes. So they are going to go as their quarterback goes this year. And it will be, it will be a challenge for him to play well in Ames. He still has the potential to, but it will be a challenge for him to play well in Ames. I also think that this game will be uh, the first time in a while where it's either a wash or an Iowa state advantage in the trenches mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Uh, I would say I'd probably lean closer to it being a wash just based on history. But I mean, it, it's very rare that this game's ever even been a wash in that sense. Well, I think both offensive lines have an advantage over both defensive lines. I think that's the way it kind of shakes out. It, now, granted, not in pass protection where Iowa state is a really good pass rushing team. I'm really curious to see across the board, how well they are at stopping the run. When you have guys like Linda bomb that are really, really good offensive linemen. When, you know, again, that it, I think that other than Oklahoma, it is the best front seven on both sides of the ball that Iowa state will play all year. So yeah, it, but at the same time, how I don't, maybe the first time ever 
that you can say with at least relative confidence, unless you are a huge Hawkeye Homer, that Iowa state's offensive line is better than Iowa's defensive line. So I don't know. That's the first time ever that someone's been able to say that. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a time. I think even two years ago, we felt like it was as close, like it was a lot closer to being a, a wash. It didn't really end up being that way, but, uh, this line is drastically better than that one that Iowa state had. And I mean, and, it, and Iowa's defensive line didn't necessarily wreak havoc in that game. There was a lot that happened in that game, but it was like their defensive line was still better enough to make a difference. Yeah. I don't think that that's the case this year. Yeah. I'm really interested on in how, I don't know. I think Iowa state should be able to move people around and Iowa doesn't run that complex of a front. They really just say, you know what we're going to do. We know that you know what we're going to do. Do it better than us. Like, that's really the way they play defense. Like, they don't blitz a ton. They don't stunt a ton. They don't really change fronts. They say, we're going to line up with, when you put a tight end to this side, there's going to be a defensive end here, a defensive tackle here, defensive tackle here, defensive tackle here, linebacker, linebacker. You know where we're going to be. Can you do it better than us? Like, that's the way that they play. And, yeah, the first time ever, really, Iowa State on paper has the horses to do it better and consistently better but are you going to be able to execute? Like, that's the big question. This is also one of the maybe two games on this schedule in the regular season that I don't care how they win. If Iowa state wins, it's hard to walk out of it, not feeling good. Right. Like, even if it was ugly, I mean, you got to be like, Hey, it didn't look great the whole entire time, but you know what? We won the game and we haven't beat those guys in a long time. So mm-hmm. it's hard to be mad about anything at this point. Yeah. It, that's going to be Oklahoma is the only other one that I think would fit in that category. Yeah. And that's, that just seems like it's a, it is the, I don't want to say the key because you could still go. I mean, if you lose to Iowa, we wouldn't like that, but if you lose to Iowa, you go nine and one, you go into Oklahoma nine and one with your only loss to a ranked really good Iowa team. It's not the worst thing on earth, but damn, you don't want that to happen. So like, it's not a be all and it's not the key in the sense of like, if it doesn't happen, they'll never, you know, that's not what I'm saying, but like that might be, that's like the key to kind of jumpstart the season with the same kind of effectiveness that you want to, because three and O coming out of non-conference going into Baylor is a lot different than two and one. So that's a, that game is a, is a, is a big catalyst for what could happen in the rest of the first half of the season. All right. I don't want to dwell on the UNLV game very much because uh, frankly, that point, that point spread is going to be like 40 uh, going into the game. So, and it's going to be basically, I, I feel like it's going to be a home game. It's going to yeah. feel like a home game. Yeah. The amount of cyclones that are going to be there. Yeah. I think UNLV is being somewhat strategic and not opening up the upper deck because they already know how mass, how massive of a disadvantage they will be. They, I, I talked to a couple of people at, I think Wednesday and Friday that they said they want to go out there because it's a game in Vegas, Iowa state's good. And they can put Iowa state good in Vegas. Like you can add those two things together. And they said it was like $30 more expensive at the time that they purchased their tickets. It was like $30 more expensive to buy one set of season tickets than it was to buy one individual ticket for the Iowa state game. So they just bought UNLV season tickets and hope to offload one of those game, you know, one of those sets of tickets at some point down the road. And even if they don't, they're only at like 40 bucks. So like, that's the type of interest and intensity that this game is drawing just from the Iowa state side. I think just because of the, the, uh, the location that it is in. UNLV is probably thrilled at least right now until 
you get to the week after that game and there's like 10 people there because Iowa State holds all of the t- <laughs> Iowa State fans are the make up the entire list of UNLV season ticket holders. I guess maybe what is it October 9th or something like that is when Iowa State's buy is like maybe you could just maybe UNLV is a home game on October 9th. You can go head back out to UNLV in a bye week, huh? Yeah, maybe. Get catch your second game of the year. Just what everybody wants to do. More running rebels football. Uh, uh, I will close this out. I think uh, to I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I listened to Bloom and, and Williams Sunday night pod that they put out. Uh, and I think Chris or Brent said it. I don't remember which one of them said it was uh, that the over under for UNLV wins this year is one and a half. Yeah. And I think that says everything it needs to say about how that game should go. Yeah. I'm much like the Kansas game two weeks after that should go. Cause I think Kansas is over under was one. The last time I looked, I would, I feel like you still need to take the under. Well, they play two games against FCS teams, so I would hope that they'll take the under. I don't know, Lance Leopold. Well, basically, they Lance Leopold brought his entire team from Buffalo, so hmm. it okay. depends on if Buffalo would beat FCS teams, I suppose. It's two people, two people, two wins. All right, the uh, September twenty fifth at Baylor. Baylor's an interesting team. I, I feel like it's hard to get a good read on them because we don't really know what's going to happen at quarterback Charlie Brewer was named the starter at Utah today. Uh, Dave Aranda in year two m- makes me think you could probably expect some level of a jump from his defense uh, mm-hmm. with as good of a defensive coach as he is, but they also have a new offensive coordinator. So it's like, even if their defense is good, I have no clue what to expect from that offense on a week to week basis. Yeah. And it was also hard because last year they were really injury laden. So like it, it's, you don't even really know from last year, what's going to carry over to this year because of who was, was, and wasn't in. And then when they were in, it was just the Charlie Brewer show. And if he couldn't do something, they couldn't move the ball. Uh, Aranda is when you talk about like just schematically, Aranda is one of the best, just schematic. How, how can I attack you? style coaches in college football. He's very, very good. I mean, that's one of the things I I remember listening to Mike Rose, uh, after the, um, Iowa state Baylor game last year, where Iowa state was, you know, gave up 21 points, basically three consecutive drives. It was like 18 plays and they were giving up 21 points. And he said, they threw some stuff at us that we'd never seen before. Like they he's because he is such a good defensive coach. He understands how defense works. So understands how defense breaks. And so he's going to try and do something with the offense that breaks your defense. So he'll under, he also then can stress test his own defense and prepare for what he thinks you're going to do. So like, that's how a defensive coach is going to coach against offense or coach his offense. Uh, so he is really good, but yeah, I agree with you. It's a big wild card game. Like uh, I think of all the teams that could finish, I think Kansas state and Baylor are the two teams that could finish anywhere between like third and ninth in the conference, like anywhere in that spectrum. And you don't know how they're going to necessarily fall out. And it comes down to health and scheme and stuff. But I think the fact that, well, another thing is hopefully they have more than one game before, like within the month before Iowa state plays them. So you can get some decent game film. Cause I think last year they played, uh, 21 days prior to Iowa state and then had a bye week then had a game, a COVID game postponed. And then they played Iowa state. So they had three weeks between actual games. So you didn't even know what you were going to get from that team. So hopefully it's a more, more regular season, but yeah, again, I agree with you that it's going to be, we don't know uh, for Baylor. It's one of the the bigger question marks in the conference. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Kansas is not a question mark. We kind of touched on them just a second ago. 
uh, I do think Lance Leopold's a good coach, but man, you just have such a massive hole to dig out of. Like as big of a hole as Matt Campbell had to dig out of when he got to Ames. I mean, Lance Leopold's hole is like six feet deeper. At, at least, yeah. at least. There's such a big, I don't know. There's, I feel like there's two huge problems that Kansas is facing and that he's going to have to pay, you know, event paper over. And so you can actually like fill it in is a talent deficiency, which they have some individual guys that are talented, but they don't have any collection of guys that are talented together. You know, like you have, it's like Iowa state back when in what, 2016, 15, when they were three and nine or right before then, like, right. Like, uh, Rhodes last year's, but you have a few good athletes. Obviously you have your Lazards and your butlers and stuff. And you have a, uh, maybe a, a Joel landing guy like here or there, but you don't really have 11 on the field that are as talented as your opponent or even close to, because you have one or two or three or five guys that are substantially less athletic or less qualified to be in the position that they are. And then the other thing is from a culture standpoint, like they don't expect to win. They hope to win. And so when you give them a reason to lean towards their expectations and give up on hoping to win this particular game. They don't really have any reason to fight back that just because they're ah, fine. Whatever we lost this week, we're going to lose again next week. Get to class on Monday or let's go to the bars after the game. Like whatever it is, like there isn't an expectation of winning. So he's got to change the fact that you can expect to win. It is okay for you to expect to win. So they have to, he has to overcome culture and talent. And like, that's going to take a long time. Yeah, that game's destined for an 11 a.m. kick on FS1 or something like that, probably, uh, and a massive point spread <laughs> again. Uh, Iowa State played poorly against them last year down in Lawrence and still won very comfortably. Like, mm-hmm. even when Kansas would score, there was never a point where you're like, man, Iowa State might not have this game in hand. Yeah. They're just – and you know, and you you hate to be like be judgy because like we've been there, like we've we have sucked before. We haven't sucked this much for this long in a while, though. Like, luckily, since McCartney got to Iowa State, since kind of that time, there hasn't been a consecutive year streak that has been as bad as Kansas has been. So like, it, they haven't been to a bowl game in like ten years. It's was it 2011, 2010, maybe? Yeah, I think so. 2000. Yeah. I mean, I know they haven't been in the last decade. So, so it's, yeah, they're, they're bad, but I mean, Hey, it's a win. Wins a win. Right. Uh, on the road at Kansas state on October 16th, we got a bye week in there. Oh yeah. There's a bye week in between, uh, which that bye week kind of comes at a weird time, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, just splits the season in half basically. Uh, but Kansas state concerns me because I obviously hasn't won in Manhattan and I don't even know when the last time that would have happened would be. Well, and they're, they're always, uh, they're always like it, it, whether it's Snyder or Kleiman, they have, they always have this, I don't know, it, super well executed, well coached team that you're, likely not going to they're like they're likely not going to beat themselves they're going to have, be good on special teams they're going to be good running the ball they're generally going to be better in ter- like in the top half and turnover margin in the conference 
And last year they just had so many, again, they had so much COVID problem or so much, yeah, so much COVID problems and injury issues. They're a hard team to judge from last year, this year. So just like the Baylor conversation, they could finish anywhere between third in the conference and eighth in the conference. Like they are anywhere. So I don't know. That's, that's another game. When you talk about games that you want, like I want Kansas state in Manhattan. So I'll put it to you this way. Iowa state has won in Manhattan four times in the last 40 years. They have not won there since 2004. I want Kansas state in Manhattan. You want, Chris, you want Chris Kleiman's ass in his home stadium. It's going to be, it's their team that no matter how, I mean, Grant, I feel like last year was an anomaly that like how badly Iowa state whooped their ass. I feel like that was an anomaly. Like that doesn't happen in either direction in that game. Very much like that game is usually really, really close or uh, decided by some random freak, stupid thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just got to hope that you are executing better than they are. Now, granted on paper, Iowa state is a substantially more talented team. Like for the, this is the, the widest, the talent gap has been, I mean, other than last year, which is kind of the same conversation, but it's as wide as the talent gap has been between Iowa state and Kansas state, but you actually now have to go and win. You have to do it in Manhattan. And something weird always happens in Bill Snyder's house of horrors. Like, whether it's a 70 mile an hour wind, like it was two years ago when they were down there mm-hmm. and Brock Purdy was beat up too, which didn't help either. Or, uh, we get the stuff that happened in 2017 with the, or the what happened in 2015 when it was, yeah, the, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's yes. Bill Snyder's house of horrors. It's the vampires layer. And we just need to, the cyclones need to go down there and burn it to the ground. Say we're done. It's over. <laughs> Yeah, they need to, uh, it, it needs to be a thing where like this, it's, like, it's like when they blow up the second death star in, <laughs> uh, in return of the Jedi. Why did they build the exact same? I mean, with as, as smart as Emperor Palpatine was, why was it the same? I, death? Granted, they closed the port. Great. But there's still, you, it can blow up. Like find another design of some kind. If someone has gone down this dork podcast, down this dork rat wormhole, but why would you not create a slightly different thing? I mean, maybe the physics of it, like that, because it's a big orb, like gravity actually works better to keep it. I don't know. I don't know why you would make the exact same weapon twice, even though your opponent had destroyed it entire in its entirety, only a few short years earlier. Yeah. I'm not an aeronautic engineer or I don't even know what kind of engineer would be needed to uh, apparently Emperor Palpatine also was not an engineer. I don't know who designed it. Like I, but whoever it was, they were not, they did not do a very good job. No, they didn't. I mean, find them another design, find something else. Hey, they didn't float the Zeppelin again. Huh? Hindenburg goes down. They say, Hey, you know what? Scrap this design. This might not be our best idea. Might not be our best idea. This thing went down in flames. Well, we're halfway through the season at that with, uh, with that. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and, and knock out these last six games here on football and random things on the cycle Fanatic podcast network. We'll come back here on football and random things on the cycle Fanatic podcast network. All right. Time to get through, uh, the last six games of the season here as we give our final thoughts before, uh, next week. All right. Oklahoma state homecoming. October 23rd, coming off the game against Kansas State. Uh, Oklahoma State will be 
a team that'll be interesting to watch early in the season has Spencer Sanders back at quarterback, but you don't have Chuba Hubbard. You won't have Tylen Wallace. We know they're always going to have good receivers. That's never really a concern for Oklahoma state, but they had a bunch of seniors on their defense last season. So they're going to have a lot of holes to fill there as well. Uh, we, you always know what you're going to get from Oklahoma state, but Oklahoma state's personnel, I think will be a little bit of a wild card as we start the year. Yeah. And they might be a defensive team. You know, like outside of Spencer Sanders, they might be a defensive team because their defensive line last year was really, really solid. Uh, is that Ford kid back the uh, defensive end? He's, he was only like a sophomore last year, right? I can double check. But he's a uh, he was. I mean, he was one of the best, one of the better defensive players that Iowa State played all year. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if you were to rank the games Iowa State has a chance to lose, this one would fit probably in the top three or four. I would think. Like granted it's at home, but still they uh, Oklahoma state knows how to uh, Mike Gundy knows how to play against Iowa state and Iowa state has historically had trouble moving the ball against Oklahoma state. And I think Jay has talked about it before, but it's, they play this kind of press man. Iowa state has had trouble getting open and actually getting connection from quarterback to wide receiver, whether it's Brock not being at feeling comfortable or receivers not getting open or whatever, they play a style of defense that does not line up all that well for Iowa state moving the ball in years past. Does that change this year? We'll see, but yeah, this is a game. Um, this is one of the ones that, again, I, I put on the potential to lose meter and this is on the higher end of that potential to lose meter. Uh, Trace Ford is back. He's only right. a junior. So yeah, he's a really good player. He's one of the 94, I think is the number defensive end. Really, really good player. He is number 94. Good, good memory, Jeff. Well done. Thank you. Thank Give you. you a gold star for that one. Uh, but yeah, that like, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I just, as much as like, we know what Oklahoma state usually is going to be with Mike Gundy. I still just, I feel like they're a middle of the pack team but they're scary enough just because of the fact that they're Oklahoma state and Oklahoma state's always going to be tough. Yeah. I just, it's a, you know, it's all about matchups. It's one of those things that sports specifically team sports are all about matchups. You know, if you're to use basketball analogy, if you're a team that's a, has a, a dominant team that, and you, you know, win rip off 17 wins in a row and you got two really big guys inside that are seven foot one and guys six foot 11 and, can shoot mid-range jumpers. And then you have three average guards, but your size takes over. And then you play a team that's like scrappy has five, six foot five dudes that all can shoot threes as good as you might be against other people. The matchup of them having to you, your big guys having to play out on the perimeter, the whole game doesn't line up as well for you as you can then dictate tempo against someone else or dictate step pace against someone else. Just like, again, Oklahoma State's defense, the way that they generally play man coverage, they tend to bring a lot of pressure. Brock doesn't has not played all that well outside of that very first game with Akeem Butler and, and guys like that when they didn't really have any film on him. He has not necessarily played all that well against Oklahoma State. And again, whose fault that is, I don't know. Might be the offensive line, might be the wide receivers, might be play selection, might be Brock himself. But it's a team that so far has not lined up all that well for Iowa State against or to play against. So, yeah, that's a game that, that I'm, I don't know. It, it, it also like coming right off Kansas or, uh, uh, Kansas state, like that's going to be two really physical games, just back to back. Uh, good news is they get to come off a bye prior to those. So yeah, it, it, that's an interesting game throughout the, through the season. That's one of the, again, the, kind of the, put the, the star in it, asterisk nest of the game. All right. The, the following game then is 
you know, you say on the lose meter, the potential loss meter, uh, of like the non big dogs, the Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa's on the schedule, West Virginia, I think has to be up there in that conversation with Oklahoma state because it's on the road in Morgantown, which is never an overly easy place to play, but they're going to have some pretty good players back on defense. Letty Brown will be back as their running back. I think Neil Brown's a good coach, uh, in what he's done so far there at West Virginia. Uh, and if you're what seven and O at that point, and then you've got to play Texas the next week, like there, there would be some concern going into that game for me just with all of the different variables involved, knowing where you're at in the season. Like that's, that's like a trap game waiting to happen. Yes. And no, because like with the, the current staff, like with the Campbell staff, Oklahoma state has historically been a really bad matchup for some reason. Maybe it's ones we identified. Maybe it's not West Virginia has historically been a really good matchup for Iowa state. Like I think they've won the last four. Am I correct in saying that there's the year before Will Greer, then the Will Greer year, and then the last two, which... Well, they lost in Morgantown one year. That was in 17. Okay, so would have... Yeah, the last four. 20, 19, 18. Okay, so the last three. Three, three. Um, yeah. But it's... It, they historically have been a good matchup for Iowa State, so I'm less concerned that they're kind of a jump up and bite you unless Iowa State really shits the bed. Like, that's one of those ones where if they come out exceptionally flat than they can, but because of the way each team plays, I think that it's less, I'm less concerned with that one than I am like Kansas state or Oklahoma state. I think when you look at those games from a matchup standpoint, uh, yeah, again, I think Neil Brown, he's a, he is a really good coach, but they just have it. I know they don't run a scheme that is conducive for slowing down or stopping Iowa state, just the way that they've run it. Agreed. Uh, all right that next week, first weekend in November, uh, the Steve Sarkeesian experience makes its way to Ames, Iowa, uh, with the Longhorns. You know, we know that Texas is going to be, I mean, apparently Bajan Robinson is like the greatest running back in college football history that we've never seen do anything in a game at a really high level consistently. So like nine touchdowns against Kansas state when that game didn't matter. But you get what I'm like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to, for the leap that he's apparently going to make from being a all big 12 solid player to being like an all American, what, which is where he's being pegged in a lot of these preseason teams. There are people who rank him better than Brees Hall in the preseason. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen that. I, I know he was a high level recruit, but that just is, it. it's a weird leap in my mind to be like, yeah, I got a new coach. This running back's all of a sudden going to be unbelievable. He could be, you know, and I could be eating my words, but uh, I just look at a team that's like, I, w I, I will say, I wish Iowa State could play them earlier in the year, mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah. Because, like early November feels like the, t the point when that team could be hitting their stride under a new coach too. But at the same time, it also could be like, who's their quarterback going to be? I don't think they even know. They got like three point. dudes that are playing quarterback and I don't remember yeah. what what famous coach said, if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks and they lost Sam Ellinger and Sam Ellinger. I mean, they're, they're without Sam Ellinger for the first time in like 16 years. I feel like that dude's been there since before I was. And the, the consistency that that brings you allows you to not be perfect everywhere else, because that guy is not going to let you slow down. 
Like you aren't going to lose that bad because Sam Ellinger is on the field. That also means B. John Robinson can run effectively because Sam Ellinger is on the field because he's a running threat. He's a, he's a throwing threat. He is a consistency threat. Like, again, I use that, uh, Antetokounmpo, like the, the Greek freak thing. If he could shoot threes, he is unstoppable, but he can't. So he's still pretty damn unstoppable. But if you just say, I dare you shoot a three, like there is a way that you can play off and have him not be able to do it because he's not as consistent in doing the thing as he needs to be. That's why Ellinger was so good. because he was consistently good for years. This new quarterback is not likely to have that same consistency level. So there's going to be something that they've not yet done that they're going to be forced into doing. And if anyone's going to find the thing that a quarterback doesn't like to do, who is that going to, that person going to be? Probably John Haycock. Probably John Haycock. And now you have to play in Ames. They, granted, they would have been playing this entire season with a really good amount of booze coming their way. So it's not going to be new. But I think the volume of booze is going to be higher in Ames than it is anywhere else in the conference, anywhere else in the country that they're going to play. Because we really don't like Texas, as do ever, does everyone else. But no one else has the volume that Iowa State has to talk about really hating Texas. So you have a really extremely hostile crowd in November, which is not going to be super warm and a quarter, a coordinator who is going to be finding a quarterback and looking at everything that he doesn't like to do and forcing him into what he doesn't like to do. So that is a game that, uh, I would expect to win again. Now, I mean, it's, it's August. That's a November game. We have a white, a ways to go, but that is a game that I would expect to win because I feel like coach Haycock will find something that Texas's offense isn't, or specifically that quarterback doesn't like to do or isn't good at, or doesn't want to do. Yeah. That's a, one of the few times when I wouldn't hate it. If we had a nice premature freeze, like an early freeze. And mm -hmm. it was, uh, you know, wind temperature, you know, air temperatures like 22 yeah. with a wind chill of seven. Right. Like the guy, like the people in the stands, you guys can drink some fireball and you'll be fine. Yeah. Put your, put your coveralls on you. You're you got, that's fine. We got parkas. Right. But the people on the Texas sideline, you know, maybe conveniently there's a power surge on their sideline. Their heaters don't run. Like I'm just spitballing oh, ideas oh, here. No. Oh no. That would this just be the worst. And these guys who are used to the heat of Texas have to come in and uh, deal with what it feels like when you get hit, when your entire body is frozen. Which is a very different feeling. Very different feeling. Yeah. I mean, like I, you know, I didn't play football at a high level, but I know how it feels when you're outside and you just, uh, you know, maybe you bump into something with your skin exposed. It doesn't feel good. doesn't feel good. Uh, and this would be a lot worse than that. So if it's, you know, it could be as cold. Uh, I would not hate if it was a record low. <laughs> record low. And then November 7th, beautiful. Just November 7th is 58, sunny, gorgeous. I wonder what the record low in Ames is on November 6th. It's probably something like negative 20, but the record came in, uh, 18, 1897 when they had no <laughs> like real instruments to measure these things. Uh, but someone woke up and said, damn, it's cold. It's gotta be like negative 20 degrees out there. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. I think that's, you're right. that's what it is. Yep. No, I think though, the, the, yeah, defensively, I don't know what they're going to have. They had a lot of talent, but they lost a lot of talent. 
Uh, I also don't know how they're going to be running, what they're running. Cause it's totally new staff and whether they, you know, it, whether they try and run a scheme and then try and fit players into that scheme, or they try and go, Oh, this is what these players are good at and mesh their scheme to what the players have. It's two completely different things. Who knows what their defense is going to be? No, I don't think, again, I don't think even Texas understands if they're good coaches. I don't even think they know what their defense is going to be middle of by the time middle of October rolls around because you got to find what they're good at and then play into what they're good at. Unless you're saying, Nope, this is what's happening. But if there's ever two times that it's a bad time to run into the raging Cajuns. Uh, the first one is right off of a global pandemic. And then the second one is when you have a brand new head coach, a brand new starting quarterback and a ton of new people on both sides of the ball. Man, we are uh, just huge Cajun fans here. Just big Louisiana fans. I have immense respect for Louisiana's program. I mean, it's uh, big fan. I mean, huge fan, huge fan. Yeah. I, I don't know that I could have any more respect for what Billy Napier's done there down in, uh, in Lafayette, but uh, I would not be surprised at all if they beat Texas in that game. I wouldn't either. And uh, I hope it's in front of a near sellout crowd and they just experience relentless disappointment. Well, uh, you know, everybody's going to be amped up when they see the Longhorns come running out of their new tunnel that it still looks really unfortunate regardless of what people in Austin might try and say. It just looks weird, but their stadium's renovated and I'm sure they'll be excited. Good for them. Good for them. All right. On the road at Texas Tech, Tyler Shuck, the new quarterback for, uh, for the Red Raiders. Man, this feels like it's got to be a make or break year for Matt Wells, right? It has to be. It has to be a make or break year for, for Matt Wells because they've been below average for a really long time. Like, and you get, you get a few years of below average that you can kind of absorb, but you don't have six years of below average. You have this you can be his, below average and then get the average. Year? Is this his third year? I think is it's right? at least his third year. Yeah, third or fourth, I think. I can't remember. But either way, you don't have that much mediocre in you. You know, like you have to go from below to from bad to below average and from below average to okay and then okay to good. And then you can go, then you can finally, you have to progress somewhere. You can't be four and eight for a consistent amount of time. And I feel like they're looking down another four and eight, five and seven year. I mean, also, because I'm petty like this, uh, if I'm Brees Hall or Brock Purdy, I am. I want to, I want to make everyone know that Tyler Shuck is worse than I am because it was some offshore. I think like some, at the end of the last season, they put up Heisman odds and who was on the list at like six or seven Tyler Shuck, Oregon quarterback, who was not on the list, Brees Hall, who was not on the list, Brock Purdy, who had to transfer because he couldn't cut it and get a starting job at his own school. Tyler Shuck. And now he's playing against Iowa state. Okay. I would be absolutely 100% vindictive. I can't even blame Tyler Shuck for transferring because I feel like the way that Mario Cristobal handled his quarterbacks specifically in the Fiesta bowl, but really just generally throughout the entire season was really weird. <laughs> like, I don't feel like Tyler Shuck was really given much of an opportunity for success in yeah. that situation either. And he might be a good quarterback and he doesn't seem like a bad kid. So I I'm just saying very selfishly, very vindictively. I would rather, I want to show that that is substantially different. Hey, let your petty side shine, Jeff Woody. Oh yeah. Just let it through. 
hard. All right. Game of the year. Uh, what, I mean, I think if everything goes as we kind of expect it to could end up being one of the games of the year in all of college football on the road at Norman on November 20th. Uh, that's probably game day if everything goes the way it kind of expected to. No, nah, we don't want game day. Screw game day. Done with game day. Oh, ESPN generally? Yeah, done with them all. No, you want them there, and then you want to win that game with them there. No, nah, I don't want – no, Reese Davis, if, if you ask me, if Reese Davis ever tries to come back to Ames, Iowa, there's, they should build a, like a, a moat around the entire city, and then there's a troll that stands at the bridge. Are you Reese Davis? Yes, then you can't come in. No, then you can come in. We allow what? everyone besides Reese Davis. Oh, and Stu, and Stu Mandel and, and Andy Staples. They okay. can't come yeah. either. Yeah, the Staples and Mandel, I get that. But like, what did I miss with Reese? Did you see Reese Davis's AP poll ballot that he put out oh. for the preseason? Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so he ranked Iowa State 11th, which is, you know, whatever. Kind of against what most people had put them in, the, in their ballots. Uh, do you know who had 10th? Iowa? Yeah. Do you think that was, I mean, do you, do you think it was intentional like to try and just get somebody's goat? It like, seemed calculated. It seemed like, I don't know. I, I've only met Reese a couple times. He seems like a okay guy. I don't know. I didn't have that many like personal interactions with him outside of just interviewing him, but uh, that felt odd to me to do that. I, I don't think that there were many people who were going to do anything like that. It just seemed very calculated. Just to, I wonder if they had, had planned. I would say has done something to get on Reese Davis's bad side. This like goes even back to last year. Cause remember during the whole lead up with the playoff show every week, he'd be complaining about Iowa state and where, where Iowa state was ranked. Where'd you go to school? Oh man. Alabama. I think hmm. one of those, it's an SEC guy. Well, is it everybody that yeah. works for them? Yeah. But I don't know. It's uh, I think it would be kind of fun just to have them there, you know. No, like, we want big noon kickoff with uh well, okay. Never mind. Bob Stoops is on big noon kickoff now, so I don't know if that's necessarily your best. I just want the biggest spotlight you can to say, This is my chance. You want to see you want to see what we can do? Here you go. Here is uh the like the the Spaniard and gladiator, mm-hmm. you know, Russell Crowe's character. So are you not entertained? Like get the inc- entire crowd full throat and said, all right, what do you want to see? You want to see Oklahoma? You want to see a coronation? You want to see top five or top 10 matchup? You want to see Oklahoma, see how good they are. Here's the head yours. Like that. I, that's what I want. It's a big stage to win that game. And let's just think realistically. Okay. Say both of them are 10 and 0. At this point, they very well could be like the number one and number two teams in the country. Yeah. Ish. I mean, depending on what happens with like Georgia and Alabama and stuff like that. But But, I mean, somebody is going to get dropped back with one loss early in the season because Clemson and Georgia play each other in the first game. Yeah. It's going to be a top five matchup. If, if they are both undefeated at that time, it's a top five matchup for sure. Yeah. And it's basically unbelievable bananas, absolutely bananas. Uh, and if they, if that is the case, I mean, okay. So think about what they played last year and think about Lincoln Riley versus Matt Campbell, like those general matchups, all of them have been close. Even when Iowa state was substantially outclassed when it was like the Kyler Murray year, I think it was a 10 point game. Like it was the way that they coach 
they are two dudes at the top of how they do what they do. And so they know how the other one thinks, they know what the other one's going to do. And as much as we don't like it, Spencer Rattler's really good. So he's going to have some success as much as we don't like it. They are really talented, but at the same time, so is Iowa state. And even if, you know, like, let's say that Iowa state loses that game, unless you have kind of dropped the ball early in the season, you're going to get another crack at them three weeks later or two weeks later, two weeks later. Yeah. So it's uh that is, that seems again, assuming that things go to plan the way you'd want them to, that is round one of the fight. And I would say it's even round three. I mean, with just how similar the two yeah. both teams are true. And that's, what's so intriguing to me is because I, it seems like with both teams, you saw them both pull out stops. Like they pulled out all the stops for that second game last year. Mm-hmm. Some of the things Iowa state was doing, some of the things Oklahoma was doing, it was like, they both knew, okay, we know each other so well. We know each other's personnel so well. You don't have the luxury of being able to be vanilla. Uh-huh. This is everything is open game today, yeah. you know, and that chess match of Lincoln Riley versus Matt Campbell, Lincoln Riley versus John Haycock, Tom Manning versus Alex Grinch. Like, I'm just, I'm so excited for that because I feel like it's, it's literally as close as you can be in football to like a chess match where every single move is calculated for the next move. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like in some games where it's like, we're going to try and knock this team out early. I think that all of these coaches, everybody involved in this game knows that realistically, you're not going to knock somebody out early, either, either gonna, direction, right? Either, either direction. Way. It's going to be a battle until the whole, until the thing is done and the whole board's clear. Yeah. I think that's from a, from a liking standpoint, I don't like Oklahoma, but from a respect standpoint, you respect the hell out of Oklahoma. And I think right? it's the same way for them with Iowa state. I mean, yeah. I, 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 obviously it's a little bit different with what their historical context is but if in recent history like if you're at oklahoma i don't know how you can have anything but massive respect for what iowa state and iowa state's program is because the games have been unbelievably fun as well all the way to the end and it's been i mean in most of the games it is oklahoma jumps out early iowa state claws back and you got a 50 50 shot of if oklahoma holds on or if they get beat and you know, that 50, 50 shot sometimes is a literal 50, 50, like that two point conversion that whether it's to Charlie or whomever, you know, like that, it, that there's a 50% chance that that ball gets caught. There's a 50% chance that ball doesn't. All right, cool. That's what you are essentially all you have been built up to ask for is that chance to win. And then in aims, you got a 50, 50 shot that at not 50, 50 shot, but like at the end of the game, they go to throw that like out and up that uh, Aishin Young ends up intercepting because uh eisworth does a really good job of hold, call it holding call it not holding but mm-hmm. uh, deterring the receiver from getting there he he knocked the receiver off of his path yes so that's we'll call it that and so you do you know you have that you have a drive oklahoma has a drive to win it like it's not 50 50 shot but you've got a chance like the game is not over at the very end iowa state's driving down by four was it four points down by four last year I, I mean, Brock tries to force one where it shouldn't. And again, every single game has a 50, 50 shot with three minutes to go. Who's going to win the game. And I think that will hold again this year, regardless of what happens before. Like let's say the red river, Texas beats Oklahoma. And let's say at some point in the year, uh, I don't know, Oklahoma state picks off Iowa state or something like that. It's a one, two, one loss teams. 
who cares? That's the game is still a battle for first place, more or less, and two teams that are really good and know each other very well. So regardless of what stakes are there, that game is going to be a good game. And one of my, I mean, we got our asses handed to us every year, but one of my favorite places to play is in Norman because their fans are good fans. Like they are, they know when to, excuse me, they know when to cheer. They know when to be quiet. They know how to be, they know how to be loud. Stupid boomer sumer song plays however many you get a it's second eight and now it's third and four it's every single third second but uh no that's it's gonna be an absolutely bonkers environment yeah it just is so rare to see that in college football where so many characters come back to play each other that many times i mean I think that that's going to, if it was like, if this was LSU and Alabama, this would be the only thing they would talk about on ESPN. Uh-huh. It doesn't yeah. matter what week it is. They're all they want to talk about is that game and the possibility yeah. of that game. But because Iowa state's in the big 12, Oklahoma's in the big 12, they just won't, you know, whatever. All right. Last week, last game of the regular season, black Friday, uh, TCU and Gary Patterson coming to Ames. Uh, no max Duggan for TCU. We know, uh, that they're going to be good at the running back spots. And then we know they're probably gonna be pretty good on defense because that's usually how the foreign horn frogs operate. But, uh, another team that, you know, we've talked about a couple of them that you feel like could be any, like if there was a team that wasn't going to go to the, or was going to go to the big 12 title game, that's not Iowa state or Oklahoma TCU, I think would be one of the prime candidates, but I also could see K- TCU go in like, uh, you know, five and four in the league with, three losses by a combined 12 points. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the, this would be the trappiest of all trap games, you know, like win or lose against Oklahoma. Let's say you've taken care of business before then. And it is, you know, you're 10 and 0 going to Oklahoma win or lose. Doesn't matter. You're going to be playing Oklahoma again the week afterwards. And you have to play on a Friday six days after that, we just talked about that bonkers environment with Oklahoma. You then got to turn around and play TCU. Who is damn good. Like should be on senior day on senior day in Fort worth. Like, no, it's in names. It's in names. Sorry. Sorry. But, uh, it's, it's not that they are better than Iowa state, but they are athletically competent and they're athletically like at least equal from a pure athlete standpoint. I mean, that game is one that would be hard to win anyway, because they are really good. Uh, and just adds the layer to the fact that it would be sandwiched between Oklahoma and Oklahoma, assuming that things go the way that you want them to, you got to focus yourself to actually remember what you have to do. So I don't know. That's it. That game is again, in the likelihood of loss column, like that one's definitely in the top half, the top half to, you know, top four or five where it's like Oklahoma, Iowa, TCU, Kansas state, Oklahoma state. And I would put those as your top five. And then Texas would be number six. Well, Texas might be above Kansas state and the likely to lose meter, but uh, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it is a, one scariness. of the things, yeah, yeah, the scariness factor. Like that's, that's why I would put it up there just because of where it sits on the schedule and the TCU is good. Yeah. All right, man. So what are we thinking? Uh, 13 and 0. Big 12 champs uh, playing who Georgia in the college football semifinal in Pasadena in the situation where they would be 13 and 0 and a conference title. They're either the one or the two seed. Well, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Georgia, you know, 
they're going to go undefeated and still make the college football playoff despite losing to Alabama in the championship game uh, and drop from the two spot to the four. Alabama gets in as the two. Uh, I don't know who the three is. Ohio Ohio. State. Yeah, Ohio State. Uh, So then it's Iowa State and Georgia in uh, in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena and then Alabama and Ohio State and Dallas Man. for the right to go to Miami. Crazy. Yeah. Just nuts. I don't, it, this, regardless, I'm just excited that we have made it here. You know, like after all the crap of the last year and making it through the last football season was awesome, but now we all actually get to enjoy it. Like that's the, that's the thing that I think is I'm just pumped for next week. Yeah. And I wrote in my column today, my Monday musings, uh, Iowa State fans, just enjoy it. Like enjoy this week, the kind of the calm before the storm before, you know, next week we're going to dive deep into the actual Iowa State Northern Iowa game. Uh, and once that kind of happens, everything is all pretty hyper-focused on what's happening that week. Like while we can still have this broad picture and Iowa State is up there in the conversation as one of the best teams in the country without ever seeing anything on the field, like enjoy that. You know, I feel like people have earned the right to enjoy that for seven more days before we got to dive into it and really get locked in. Yeah. And we shot, uh, we have football Saturday. Like there's week zero games next, like this weekend. Yeah, there are the, really the only one that looks like it'll be any, like have any level level of entertainment value is I, or is uh, Nebraska and Illinois in Champaign. Bielema frost, man, we should, let's do it. Let's make the trip to Champaign. Let's go or for an 11 a.m. kick at Memorial Stadium in Champaign, Illinois, or we could not. I think the other game that I saw that looked even relatively entertaining was like Hawaii and Boise State or something like that. I thought they're playing Hawaii. Hawaii was playing UCLA. Okay, that might be who it is. I don't know. I just saw Hawaii was playing Rainbow Warriors, man. No, I'm I'm yeah, it's it's almost here. Like we have all, we have we have made it to a game week. Like the season is going to start. Like by the time we record our next fart, there will be teams with a win or a loss on their record for the 2021 season. And one of them, and one of them might be the university of Hawaii rainbow warriors. Go warriors, man. Go warriors. All right. We'll talk to everybody again soon. Peace.